Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. You guys, I am so glad to be with you this morning. It's such a privilege and an honor to be with you to share God's word. And as we dive in this morning, my husband asked me to bring this analogy that God has been speaking into my life. I love to garden. I love gardening so much that I start planning my garden right now. The the ground hasn't even thawed yet. And I'm already planning. I'm on Pinterest, and I'm pinning little pins, and I'm, I'm organizing my garden in my mind. I love to garden. It's very cool. It's very refreshing. But also, it's very therapeutic. And what's been neat over the last six, seven years is that God has spoken to me in parables and pictures through gardening. So I'm out there, and I'm tilling up the ground, and God's telling me about tilling up the soil of my heart, planting seeds and going Amelie, God, I'm planting good things in your life, in your heart. So God speaks to me in my garden. And it's something that I want to take a look at a scripture where Paul, in Galatians 6, is addressing the very same issue about the garden. Starting in verse 7, it says, Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Do not give up. That's what I want to talk about today. We're in this message series, Making Progress. So I want to talk about as we, kind of the capstone at the end not giving up on the very things that we are planting in our lives. I wonder, have you ever started something, and then something good, something great, and then given up on it, and then regretted it? I know I have. A workout program, a diet, a Bible reading plan, these are all really, really good things, but even though they're exciting, we can tend to give up on them. And that is exactly what Paul is referring to in Galatians 6. Don't give up. Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this word. And I pray that as there are a vast number of stories and things going on in our lives, that we would be a people who do not give up. That we allow the promises that you have placed in our lives for spiritual growth, for good, for hope, for a future. They would reign present in our lives. That we would be a people with stick with itness, who would not give up. In Jesus' name, amen. So here, Paul is giving us this agricultural analogy. And it's because we can all understand the planting and the harvest. We want something good in our lives, so we plant the seeds of that in our lives. If we want good relationships, healthy relationships, we plant and we invest into those. If we want healthy finances, the same thing. We plant into them, we invest into them. And also for our spiritual growth. If we want 
to grow spiritually, we have to plant seeds, spiritual seeds, into our lives. And then we have to tend it, invest into it, and allow it to grow. The same is true of a natural garden is also true for our spiritual growth. Let's go back to verse 9 of Galatians 6. If you do not give up, you will reap a harvest because you have sown the good things into the Spirit of God. But that's all well and good, the sowing process. I want to talk today about the season in between. In between the planting and the harvest. That's a difficult season. Because this is the season that Paul is talking about in Galatians 6, where he's telling us to not give up. And what that tells me is that we don't often give up in the planting, and we don't give up in the harvest. When do we give up? In the in-between. In the waiting season, when we're waiting for this harvest of faith, this harvest of where we think we should be in the spirit. If you've ever planted a garden, you may have experienced this, the excitement of getting in the garden and getting your nails dirty and tilling up the ground. And it's because we're excited not about sticking seeds in the dirt. We're excited about the prospect of what we're going to get at the end. Yeah, I, I guess I'm a nerd and I get really excited about tomatoes. That is what I'm saying. But I'm excited about the harvest to come. It's not necessarily about the seeds that I'm excited about. So I begin with the end in mind. I begin with the results in mind. I want tomatoes. I want cucumbers, peppers, peas, pumpkins. That was a lot of peas. Tomatoes, and, and I, I, want, I want strawberries. I want the harvest at the end of the season. But the problem that we face is that the waiting season, the in-between is the very season that we risk giving up. We all just admitted that we've started something and then given up on it. But why? Why do we give up on the very thing that we've worked so hard to plant and we just need to get to the harvest? Why do we give up? Well, I want to give you three reasons that we tend to give up on. Reasons that we give up. The first one is that we lose sight of that harvest. You know, we start with the end in mind, but it's the in-between season where we lose our focus. And if we lose our focus on the harvest, it's usually because something has come against that harvest in our minds. The flesh, the world, and the devil will come against that harvest in our lives. We all encounter things that will distract us, try to get our mind off of that harvest. Distractions are major problems in our lives. Now, we have funny ways that this plays out. I'm going to go back to Pinterest. So I can be on Pinterest scrolling like a mad woman. And my husband's talking to me and I'm going, uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I haven't heard a word he said to me. And it's embarrassing when he catches me because I'm like, yeah, I know what you said. And he asks me then what he said, like I'm a four-year-old. And... <laughs> And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you said. I'm so sorry. So that's silly. That's, that's a funny thing. But there are distractions. There are things that happen in our lives that can be fatal to our spiritual growth. Distractions that can cause us to be sidetracked or derailed even in our spiritual growth and our faith. 
Distractions in the form of doubt, discouragement and disappointment, unforgiveness, bitterness and offense can be a major, major distraction to our spiritual growth. Shame, shame for a sin that we've committed or maybe has been committed against us. Fear and insecurity, that can derail us from our spiritual growth and our faith. Difficulty, trial, and tribulation. Weariness, growing bored in your spiritual growth. If you've been at this for a long time, maybe you've grown a little bit tired and a little bit bored in your faith. Don't give up. It's so worth it. Now, in this day and age, busyness and really unimportant things can be distractions. Now, these things that I'm talking about, I've kind of jumped a step to distraction. All of these things can happen in our lives. And so, it's how we manage them. Do we allow them to become a distraction? We're not going to stop things from happening to us. It's what do we do with them. That do we allow them to derail us? Do we allow them to become a distraction and lose our focus on that harvest? See, these things are adversity, and adversity is not a bad thing. We don't like it in our comfortable American society, but adversity is actually okay. Can everybody say that with me? Adversity is okay. We don't need to give it a hug or anything, but recognizing that adversity is not a bad thing. So if we go back to the garden analogy, in the garden, if you have a small plant that's growing up, you don't want to shield a small plant from the wind or the rain because it's at that stage that it is going to, it'll, it'll um, experience a few little breaks and then the cells will fortify itself so that it gets stronger because when it grows up, it needs to be able to hold the fruit to the harvest so that when you harvest it, the plant hasn't fallen over and died and lost the entire harvest. So adversity is not a bad thing. We just need to learn how to manage it. So last year, I lost my harvest. I've been gardening for a few years, and, you know, I had my first few years were okay. I was learning to have a green thumb. I was learning in that season. Then I had seasons of really, really good success. And then last year, I lost my whole harvest. There were weeds growing up through everything. There were pests. Bugs and snails had eaten the good fruit. And then, even more embarrassingly, there was good fruit that I let rot on the plant and had fallen off the plant just because I couldn't be bothered to go out and harvest the fruit that was there. So the seed was good. The ground was good, and the conditions were right. I was the one that neglected my garden. I started well. I even continued well for a while. But because I neglected it, I lost my harvest. Can anybody else relate to that? Yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, huh? But, so one of the reasons that we risk giving up is that we lose sight of that harvest. I couldn't be bothered to go out to my garden that I love so much. And it's because I had distractions. I had things going on in my life, but I didn't take the time to go pick a weed that was this big. And then it became this behemoth in my garden that was choking out the good plants that I had invested in. So the second reason that we risk giving up is because growth is not always obvious. I do have plants in my garden that 
I dare say that I plant because they are obvious. Peas, for example. They grow up really fast, they flower, they get the little pod, and then before you know it, you have fresh green peas on your kitchen table. But there are also plants that I love to grow that are not obvious. Carrots, for example. There's a lot going on under the surface, but even when a carrot is growing, so it starts with a little tiny green thing, and it can get a green that grows this tall, and I've gone out really excited, and I've picked that, that carrot, and it was this big. And while, yes, you can eat that carrot, it's healthy, it's, there's nothing wrong with it, it didn't grow to maturity yet. I got excited, and I prematurely picked that, but it's because there's so much that goes on underneath the surface. Now, that happens in our lives. And a lot of times, if you're like me, you might go, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in me? What are we, what's going on around here? But there's so much going on under the surface. When results are not obvious, there is still something, and quite often, a lot of things that are going on under the surface. It's root growth. Roots must grow deep to be able to support the fruit, or the plant will fall over and die. We want the fruit, but God is working on the root. We like the fruit production, But God is doing the thing that is going to hold us up for the duration of our growing season. We, in order to be fruitful, you must be rootful. (laughs) I know it's not even a word, but I really wanted to use that. (laughs) We want to be fruitful, so we must be rooted. We must allow the roots to grow down deep. Because otherwise, we won't be able to, we won't even get to the fruit stage. The third reason that we risk giving up is because waiting feels open ended. We don't know when our harvest will be, we don't know when our breakthrough is gonna come. So I have packets of seeds here. And what's really cool about these packets of seeds is that they have instructions on the back. They tell me when to plant them, around the, the frost, all this, all this interesting stuff, what to till in. And even cooler than that is it tells me when I'm going to get my fruit, when I'm going to get my vegetable. This one says 72 days. Tomatoes, on the other hand, they take forever to grow. Carrots I get in 72 days. I think with tomatoes it's 475,000 days. <laughs> I really have a goal. It's like hashtag goals I want tomatoes to grow really well in my, in my life. But that doesn't happen with spiritual fruit. There's no indicator on the spiritual fruit that says, this is how many days joy is going to take to develop in your life. This is how long faithfulness and patience are going to take. Don't pray for patience. Just allow God to develop patience in you. If you've ever prayed for patience, right, you're like, oh, what did I, why did I pray for that? Because you will be tested in that very thing. Yes, pray for it. I'm just teasing. So if waiting is open-ended, if we don't have that waiting for the, the harvest in 72 days, with spiritual fruit and our faith and the promises that God has in our lives, we don't have a number of days on that. We, that develops our faith. Because we have to remain dependent upon God in order for those things to come to fruit in our lives. 
So we risk losing our harvest. We risk giving up because sometimes waiting is just open-ended. So how do we stay faithful? I gave you the problem. We risk giving up, and here's the three ways that we risk giving up. So how do we stay faithful in this in-between season? Well, it's a fight. It's a fight. We have to fight for the harvest in our lives. And we do that by setting our mind. The Bible says it this way in Colossians 3.2. Set your mind on heavenly things or things above, not on earthly things. Set. That just gives me an interesting analogy. Concrete is very pliable before it's set. But once it's set, it's hard, it's immovable, and it's unchanging. So we need to be set in the truth of God like concrete. We need to allow ourselves to be pliable when it comes to God's truth. And then when he gives us the mold, set our mind on those things. We are far too pliable in our mind when it comes to the things of God. To the ideas and the opinions and the philosophies that float around on social media and random people. Who are we going to trust? A random person or the word of God to tell us who God is? So we have to be set on the word of God to know who, his, who he is and what his truth is. And then once we're set on heavenly things, we will be immovable when it comes to God. So we set our mind in the direction of things above, not wavering. We have this heavenly perspective, the mind of Christ. Not our feelings, not our thoughts. That's the other thing. Sometimes my thoughts, I can't even trust them. For myself, I can't even trust my own thoughts. I need to trust what God says about him and about myself. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. So we have this perception of God at the center of our lives, which means we have set our mind on God. So in week one, Pastor Dan referred to this scripture uh, Romans 8, 5. Excuse me, I got distracted. I need to have my mindset. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. So that means that where we set our mind, our life will follow. If that's the flesh, then we will, our life will follow after the flesh. If it's the Spirit, we will follow after the spirit and setting our mind on heavenly things helps our spiritual growth it develops the fruit of the spirit and we find this in Galatians 5 so we're backing up a chapter now from Galatians 6 verses 22 through 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law So, you know, I look at this scripture almost as a checklist, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to be really loving today. I'm going to be really joyful. Like, I want to check them off. Okay, I'm going to experience peace today. I'm going to be really patient. But I can no more, just like Pastor Dan preached last week, I can no more pick up a stick and want it to produce a lemon than I can spiritual fruit. We can no more force spiritual fruit to grow the way that we, can make a, we can't make a tomato grow. It just takes as long as it takes. 
But what we can do is take the responsibility to tend and nurture and care for the garden, the spiritual growth that God has given us. Don't neglect your spiritual life the way that I neglected my garden. So if you look at it, we can't force spiritual fruit to grow, but we can't give up on it either. We have to tend to it in the in-between season. And it isn't just the fruit production that God is focused on. He doesn't say, okay, go produce fruit and then sit back and and wait and see how you're going to do. He wants to be intimately involved in the process. So when we're feeling those things that come against us and we're risking being distracted, he wants to be intimately involved in that process because he cares more about what's going on inside of us than what's going on around us. I heard a quote from Pastor Rick Warren that changed my life. So when I got saved, I thought my entire job and existence on this planet was to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love people, which is really hard sometimes. And it is true. That is the great commandment. When the Pharisees went to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So yes, that is true. But when I heard this quote from Pastor Rick Warren, it changed the way I was trying to do this, to love God and to love people. He says this, you were created by God for him to love you. It is because God first loved that we are even able to love. It is because God first forgave that we are even able able to forgive. So being transformed, knowing that God loves me and has forgiven me, gives me the ability to love and forgive and live from a different position. That's what I'm talking about. That is something that I can focus my mind on, set my mind on. So how do we set our mind on things of the faith? I'm going to breeze through these really quickly, but there's four things that we do. These are the the doing good things that Paul talks about in Galatians 6. Keep on doing good. So the first thing is we immerse ourselves in God's word, his written word. There's no way around it. I don't care how cool podcasts are. We need to be readers and doers of the word of God. There's no way around that. We have to be a community that is in God's word. And if we don't understand it, we get resources to help us because It is so valuable and so worth it because he wrote the love letter. I preached a message on this this summer. I won't go off on that right now, babe. I promise. So you immerse yourself in God's word. The second thing that we do is we follow Jesus. He tells us. He calls us. Follow me. But how do we do that? We follow his example. We follow his moral example. Now, Jesus is not just a moral teacher. He is the Savior He is the only way to God the Father, so we follow him in that, but we do also follow his moral example. Another cool thing that he said to us in the book of John, he says, I will send to you the advocate who will remind you of the things that I said. So that means that the Holy Spirit, with his still small voice, will tell us what to do. That is following Jesus. Number three is to encourage yourself in the word. Encourage yourself in the Lord through his word. That means 
We find God's character and nature in the word of God. And we encourage ourselves in who he is. Now, the fourth one is remember who God is. And this is different. Because when we remember who God is, we're actually recalling what he's done in our lives personally. And that's a little bit different because in the Bible, that's how we discover who God is. And then we look for the evidence of what God has done in our lives and we remember that. So we set our mind on heavenly things. Those are heavenly things. And there's more. There's serving. There's some other things. But when or if you get distracted, that is a great way to get your, get your mind set back on who God is. So your mind is set on heavenly things. So don't neglect your garden. Don't lose your harvest. Till up the ground. That means to have a soft heart before God. If you feel like your heart is getting hard towards God or his people, take, take your own heart to him in prayer and have him till up the soil of your heart. Sow the seeds. The seed is considered the word of God. Continue to sow seeds into that soil, into that heart of yours. And then pull the weeds. Jesus tells us in the Gospels that the enemy will come to sow weeds into your field. Get there quick and pull them. Don't allow the weeds to grow up and choke out the good plant, the good fruit, much like my garden. And then kill the pests. Anything that comes for your fruit, get after it. You squash those bugs. You kill those snails. Yes, I'm passionate about killing pests, apparently. I'm like, woo! I want to look at verse 9 again out of Galatians 6. Let us not grow weary or become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Pastor Stephen Furtick says it this way, I'm convinced that we go through this waiting season, this in-between season, because what God wants to do in us must come before what God wants to do for us. He cares about our character development. He cares about who we are on the inside more than what we're producing on the outside. You know, I know that we can look at our lives and feel like we're not where we should be, but we're not where we once were. I know I do this. I I look at where I feel like I should be as a person, as a mom, as a wife, as a pastor, as a fill-in-the-blank. It doesn't matter. And that just means I feel like I'm always failing, and that is a horrible place to live. Because I need to look at the progress that God has been doing in the in-between season. And to celebrate that, I think week two we talked about take a bite. Sacrifice, take a bite. Sacrifice, take a bite. I was listening. (laughs) Just kidding. I always listen. I have good notes when he preaches. So, don't give up in doing good. Don't give up in worshiping God, serving him, serving people. Don't give up, even though it feels like you're not seeing the fruit production that you want because there is so much going on underneath the surface because he cares more about your heart than what you're producing. Don't give up on your spiritual growth because in due time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And who knows? Your breakthrough might be right around the corner. It may not look exactly the way that you hope or think it will, but that breakthrough, according to his will and his purpose, may be right around the corner. But are you ready for it? Are you ready to harvest that fruit 
in your life. If you find yourself in a season of in-between, and I have a sense that we're all there, I want to pray for you this morning. Would you stand with me? God, we thank you so much that you don't give up on us. You hold us firmly in your hand. You love us. You guide us. You direct us. But God, we want to be a people who stick with it, who do not give up, who continue on to the end. You are the author and finisher of our faith. You are the one that is doing this good work in us. So God, I pray that we would recognize that. And we would not give up in our spiritual growth. Yes, we can apply these truths to other things. But right now, God, it is burning in my heart right now to pray that we would not give up in our walk of faith. That we would not give up praying. We would not give up meeting together. We would not give up just because we've been hurt or disappointed or discouraged or we have a doubt God, we bring those things to you and submit them to you, that you would develop our faith, you would develop the roots in our life. And God, I pray that we would be a community of people who are so set after you that we will not be derailed, we will not be distracted, we will be set in our minds on your truth, your way, your will, your purposes, your plan for our lives. So God, we receive these things by faith. We receive encouragement Because, God, we put our hope in you. We love you. We trust you. I thank you for a community of believers who come together to receive your direction, your guidance, and that we would, in turn, encourage and refresh others around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, we love you. Thank you for being here this morning. We will see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.